Well, last week I ran out of credit. Chase Visa ain't having me no more. I got a few guitars and a few receipts from bars, but other than that, I'm just poor. And I've got a girl coming over. I would like to offer her a nightcap. But she won't get loose if I ain't got no booze now. Where can I get the money for that? Okay, here we are. Welcome to the Five of Pentacles or Discs. We are starting in on the three cards belonging to the sign of Taurus. The Five of Pentacles or Discs is also known as the Lord of Worry or Material Trouble. And in these cards of Taurus, we will be dealing, I guess, with a whole lot of different ways of negotiating with the material world and trying to find purpose, meaning struggling with it, really, I think. Probably the Taurus cards are the hardest trio of the three, you know? Of the three Earth of the cards. Three Earth, Earth of signs. the three Earth sets. Yeah, yeah, Earth signs. So overall, we talked a little bit about the relationship of all the Earth or pentacle cards to the universe or world card in its role as the representative of elemental earth. It also represents planetary Saturn. And that story we talked about as being the journey of the daughter or the maiden, or also the story of the return to the divine, uh, reuniting with our divine nature. And in the Capricorn cards, we talked about the mastery of the material world uh, and the lord of the gates of matter and his dominion over the things of this world. And in the Taurus cards, we talk about, I've been thinking about this, I think we talk about negotiations of spirit and matter. And then in the Virgo cards, we are going to be talking about moving on legacies, what we transmit through matter to the next generation. So for these uh, Taurus cards, though, I think, you know, I've been thinking about them as the kind of bridge between the worlds, between the human and the divine, uh, where maybe in the five of discs, we have sort of the, we discover the inadequacies of matter. <laughs> and the six, uh, we seek a purpose in the application of matter towards a larger end. And then in the seventh, we have to persist through further challenges and have faith in things we can't necessarily even see or trust will thrive and prosper under our care. So yeah, but maybe we can talk for a second about worry and versus material trouble, which are such interesting terms. Yeah, well, if you think of what we talked about in the four of discs, the Lord of Power, it seems like in the five, there's some, you know, when you have a lot of power, the next thing that happens is you start worrying about losing it, you know, yeah. <laughs> whether it's a lot of money or a lot of whatever that comes along with it. Yeah. Mo money, mo trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Was it Crowley who talked about the verb to worry? I think yeah. So. He talked about the, um, the origins of the word. And, you know, I think he mentioned the example of a dog worrying sheep and, and, yeah. The, um, the roots meaning strangulation and suffocation, which <laughs> kind of makes sense in that Taurus rules the throat. And also, I liked the idea that to worry can be not just something that happens inside your head, but kind of an active verb uh, in the sense that the fives bring motion mm -hmm. to matter, right? So when you're worrying something, you're shaking the matter around. <laughs> or in the case of this card, actually, there's a bit of inertia to overcome because it's the universe that's shaking things around and you have to adapt to it and you're kind of s resistant to that change. Yeah, I think that at some point Crowley describes it as an earthquake, you know, so it's the shivering of the earth and you having to yeah. adjust to that. Worry versus material trouble. Material trouble really puts the emphasis on the thing that's causing the worry and, you know, worry is more of the the internal state. Yeah. Which is, which is interesting because when you think about most cards, they have both sort of an internal and external component like that, even when you're reading them in divination, whether you should read it as, you know, your mental state addressing the thing or the thing itself. Yeah. In the case of this card, just because Mercury's the ruler of the Deccan, it brings in a lot of the mental aspect of yeah. it, you know. Yeah, we should talk about Mercury. 
and what he's doing here because he doesn't like to be here. <laughs> he's having trouble. And, you know, Mercury doesn't like to be all that slow. Yeah. That's part of it. Taurus is very slow and methodical. You know, the bull planted in his field and <laughs> the Mercury wants to zip around. Right. So there's that. But I think even bigger problem is the idea that it's a five. Yeah. You know, nobody does well in five. Five being severity or a challenge. The Mercury cards are interesting when you think about them globally. So you have, we have Mercury in Taurus, five of discs, worry. We have Mercury in Cancer, which is three of cups, abundance. Then we have Mercury in Virgo, eight of discs or pentacles, prudence. Uh, Mercury in Sagittarius, eight of wands, uh, swiftness. Oh, that's interesting. We have two eights for Mercury. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, Mercury in Aquarius, six of swords, science. So worry, abundance, prudence, swiftness, science. You can see where he's doing better and not so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you can see that he has all of his skills of language, transaction, uh, communication, business, speed, uh, all of those are there, but here, well, I think we said in the Hierophant episode that the winged messenger does not like to ride the bull. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and it's not only, you know, speedy Mercury combined with slow Taurus, but then you're adding in malevolent Mars <laughs> right, to the mix. The that's the thing, right. <laughs> Since it's a five. And, you know, I was thinking about, like, the roles of the... Uh, magician or magus as Mercury and the Hierophant as the Taurus card. Maybe, um, maybe Mars is the red flag. Mercury's <laughs> up on that bull and Mars is the red flag. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to think of bulls as, you know, as Taurus, as the animal associated with this suit because. You know, they're slow, but they're also wicked strong. Yeah, powerful. Yeah. And if they become angry, then they are unstoppable and vicious. I but don't know. it takes them a long time to get angry. Yeah. They have a lot of patience. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I was thinking about the agricultural connections of bulls to this sign because it's a, such an agricultural, this is the most agricultural oh, yeah, sign, definitely. Right? Yeah, because in the Northern Hemisphere, at least, it's all about the uh, the planting and getting things ready. But I was thinking about the difference between bulls and oxen. You know, and the sort of, well, I mean, the obvious difference, but, <laughs> but also the idea that that is kind of a analog for our relationship with these forces of nature. So like there's the uncontrollable fertility kind of driven by the need to procreate kind of right, bull driven figure. by nature. Yeah. yeah. And then you have the oxen who is, you know, if you take the Mars out of it, you know, can go forever and, Tireless, strong, uh, persistent, fixed yeah. earth. Yeah. It, yeah, it almost seems more Saturn-like, but I guess since we are in an earth sign, that's appropriate. As far as the magician or magus and the hierophant go, I was thinking it's really curious to think about them in their roles of, you know, psychopomp and pontifex. Yes. Right? Yeah, definitely. I want a bar named psychopomp and pontifex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. We have the magus who is supposed to lead souls from place to place and we have the hierophant who's supposed to sort of stand in bridge. between the world yeah he's almost formed the bridge yeah yeah so they have this very special connection in a way and to me that's a key to some of the more hidden meanings of this card mm -hmm. that there's a, a real like spirituality about it you know something about finding the mm -hmm. greater message in the hardship yeah you know that yep. goes with this card those roles that they have, they're sort of slightly different, but equally crucial relationships to the human soul seem key to me in figuring out what that is. And that's something that I'm still sort of struggling to figure out about this card. But it's definitely in there somewhere. There's definitely, you know, some form of higher mystery that's in there. Yeah, and every religion, there's some form of trial, you know, <laughs> right, you know, associated with it as part of the initiatory experience. So here we go. <laughs> yeah. The other relationship of those two majors has to do with something we were talking about a little bit before, the idea of uh, 
intelligence required to resolve material problems um, and the anxiety that goes with that. A lot of times in this card, you think of material problems as being purely financial, but they, there's other forms of material problems, bodily and otherwise, that can also apply. For sure. And I think that one of the things that Mercury does here is he has the gift of anticipation of, you know, that's worrying, thinking about all the material things that could possibly go wrong. Yeah. You know, speeding too far ahead. (laughs) Exactly. And uh, it's probably Austin who says something about how that capacity is necessary in agriculture in order to prevent later failure, Mm -hmm. right? The ability to anticipate disaster and to work around it. Have a plan B if the crops fail. And insurance, you know, it's Mm -hmm. sort of like doing all the things that you can. That's a very Torian concept, insurance. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Risk minimization. (laughs) It's so interesting that here in the fixed sign of Earth, you know, the five, six, and seven show such fluctuation in fortune, right? Yeah. You know, and it's sort of like the Bowles' desire is to level that out to whatever degree it can. I guess maybe because of the certainty that things can and will go wrong. It's a Murphy's Law quality to this yeah. card. And the idea of maybe holding steady is a Taurus thing through these fluctuations. We'll see that in the six, how that's where it's doing the best is with the influence of the moon, you mm-hmm. know, which mm-hmm. gives it that flexibility. I don't know. The, I think of the uh, the Rider Wade Smith one has a very winter is coming feel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, winter is clear, clearly there. <laughs> the, the the ability to pessimistically project into the future in order to ensure success seems to be uh, critical. So the time of year that's associated with this decan is. April 21st to April 30th, roughly. So so the, the middle of spring, the heart of spring. And I was thinking about sort of what celebrations we associate with that. And the only one I could really come up with was Earth Day. Well, <laughs> yeah. It's so, definitely within the sign of Taurus that we have those both Earth Day and uh, Beltane. So I was thinking cross-quarter holiday has to be in middle decan of middle... Uh, but yeah. it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have yeah. to be. You know, it's too, there's so much flex between there's, the, Yeah, those dates aren't really rigid. It's all the motion of the, the sun. So Earth Day is really, I didn't really realize this since it's sort of been around, seems to have been around for quite a while, but it's it's it really only started in 1970. Oh. Yeah, uh, as sort of a global well, movement. it's about time. It was about time, yeah, <laughs> ser- seriously, you know. <laughs> How long have we been on the planet? <laughs> and what's interesting about it is that it came out of the environmental movement, which makes so much sense for this card, the idea that, oh, my God, everything is going wrong. We're destroying the planet. Look around you, you know. Worry, yeah. <laughs> Everything's going to shit. <laughs> so let's have a day to, like, raise consciousness about that. That is, like, the um, definition of worry, mm-hmm. you know, and trying to raise awareness um, and communicate Mercury mm-hmm. about the state of the Earth, Taurus. As a celebration, it tends to be more of an <laughs> activist celebration than maybe other holidays, but I don't know. I, I associate planting trees with it, mm-hmm. mostly. It sort of overlaps with Arbor Day, I guess. I pick up trash. Do you pick up trash? That's yeah. a nice way to handle it. Yeah. yeah. Very much in the nature of this card as well. Um, did you want to talk about Beltane in this card or the next um, one? It could go either, really. I mean... Let's do it in the next one. If okay, because it's, yeah, it seems like have a more joyful, <laughs> it seems like a more of a um, joyful fertility festival. Yeah, so it kind of, the six is like the sexy, better. sexy card. Yeah, so. it, fits, it fits better in the sexy six. <laughs> Capitalistically, the, we talked a little bit about the nature of Mars um, and how he's fucking everything up. <laughs> like he does. <laughs> you know, I was listening to the Hierophant yesterday and I was like, oh my God, I used to bleep the fucks out. <laughs> Did you really? I didn't know that. Like for the first few. Yeah. We were self-conscious. Yes. <laughs> we cared. <laughs> we cared at one time. We gave one. <laughs> <laughs> we gave. <laughs> 
the uh, so here we are in Gevura in Asiya, and if we look at the other fives, which is kind of a nice thing to do since we're on our last suit, it's really obvious how Mars just brings trouble wherever he lands. Uh, five of Wands, strife. Five of Cups, disappointment or loss. Five of Swords, defeat, and five of Discicles, worry. <laughs> so, so yeah, he's a pot stirrer. Oh yeah. You know, I, I think of him, not only he's burning the pots, he's stirring the pots, he's breaking the pots, he's cutting the pots. Yeah. <laughs> no matter where he goes, the you know, it's not good for the pot. The other names for Givura are interesting, though. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So Din means mm-hmm. justice or judgment, right? Yeah. And uh, Pachad means fear. Yes. Yeah, so sort of reminds you of Phobos and Deimos and oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I was actually had a a note about Phobos and Deimos. Uh, Did you? terror and hate in relation to this <laughs> card because of the Mars factor, you know, and this card's association with fear and worry and and you know what's interesting though that Gavura uh, is in terms of being necessary on the tree. I've seen it represented as the concept of restraint. You know, not just cutting or being damaging or destructive. Um, but the idea that, like, you know, if Chesed is unending, limitless goodness or giving expansiveness, something has to say. Yeah, this, you is, know, this is a force of necessity. For sure. I had, I saw somebody, I don't even remember who, sort of creating a metaphor where, you know, if Chesed is the, the father hugging his child, then Gevura is him holding back his strength a little so he doesn't crush the damn thing. You know? <laughs> That's kind of a, a less scary way, in a sense, to think of Gevura, you know, as that concept of yourself holding yourself back because your force is too great. It kind of applies to the the magical vision of Gavora, which is the vision of power. Yeah, and power sometimes needs some restraint to not be, you know, completely overwhelming. Yeah, and the idea that you know the virtue of Gavora is its energy and courage, and the vice is its cruelty, right? Yeah, destruction so- and cruelty. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting because all the all the symbols of Gavora, besides the you know pentagram, are all weapons. <laughs> The yeah. spear, the scourge, the chain, the, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. The sword. I think what's interesting about those virtues and vices is that the virtues all seem to be, of the Sephirot, I mean, the virtues all seem to be the nature of the planet filtered through a desire to help others or turned outward in a productive way, whereas the vices seem to be, you know, towards aggrandizing the self in some way, yeah. uh, setting aside altruism. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is curious. The other thing that's interesting that goes with the concept of Gavura is the idea of separation. And this is something that, well, I've been thinking about a lot because in Kabbalah, generally, the idea of separateness is sort of equated with the idea of evil, because God is in everything, right? And nothing cannot be of God. But if it appears to be not of God, or like if it's trying to create a separation between itself and God, like the clipot, any sort of like deliberate distancing of yourself from God, that intention bears evil in it, is the idea. And first of all, uh, in the story of creation, the story of creation starts with chesed, uh, because, you know, four to ten. And that means that on the second day of creation... That's associated with Givura. That is when God separated the waters above and the waters below, which is really interesting when you think of like, you know, Bina above Givura mm-hmm. yep. and the chariot and, you know, the right. hanged man associated with those paths. But also another story that's associated with Givura is the patriarch Isaac. So the three patriarchs, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are associated with Chesed, Givura, and Tiferet. And what's the story of Isaac? So this is the story of Abraham's sacrifice, right? Where he was commanded to separate himself from his son. So that idea of Givura, the harshness and restrictiveness of that act, is associated with that story, even though it ends okay. You know, even though he is... um prevented at the last moment from 
sacrificing his son. So there's this this idea of separateness as being native to Gevura, and which I think we see in the cards as well, the five of discs and pentacles cards as well, this idea of being isolated, cut off, yeah, you know, removed right. from the free flow of mercy yeah. and goodness and all things yep, easy. You definitely see it in these cards. <laughs> right. Somehow blocked and shut out. And even in the other um, fives, you can really see it. The Five of Cups, for sure. The, mm-hmm. That card of yeah, loss. Yeah, separated and, from water. Yeah. 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 And even uh, Five of Wands and Five of Swords, you you see forms mm-hmm. of, you know, separation from the goodwill towards all. The separation of your own purpose and intention from others. Another thing that maybe we should mention is, since we're on the Kabbalah stuff, is turning back to the Hierophant and his association with the letter Vav. Mm. Right? The um right. the nail. Yeah. The connector instead of the separator. <laughs> so these cards are all about trying to find that connection and it being a real issue if you don't have it. I think maybe th- what we see in this card is like that fear of loss of the connection. Yeah. Yeah. Being cut off from the source, from the goodness. Mm-hmm. And how are you going to ensure its continuity? You know, what can you do to make that keep those lines open and flowing? Oh, you know, I forgot to mention just maybe mm-hmm. we should you can insert it back at the beginning. But when we were talking about Taurus, the two word uh, motto is I have, which, Good. you know, yeah. it makes sense in terms of the progression that we're going to see here. <laughs> In the last card, we actually did have, and then in this card, we don't. We actually don't have. We don't you know, got. Like, we, 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 you know the the fortress and the storage that we built up in the four. We're afraid of losing, or maybe we do lose it. Yeah, yeah something like that. But um, so the t- the Taurus nature is very acquisitive. There are questions of having and belonging, right, and yeah. grasping, which again is actually kind of. Has something to do maybe with that nail, the connector quality. They do like the fine things. Yeah. Whether it be food or material goods. Those two words, having and belonging, are actually kind of interesting to consider together because, Mm. you know, the thing that belongs, it belongs to the person who has. But we also think about ourselves as belonging or not belonging. Yeah. And our isolation or our connection with other people. Yeah, and if you think of the Hierophant in his role as sort of a priest, and you think of the church in general, there's a sense of belonging, to belong to a certain faith, you know, to Mm -hmm. feel like you belong to something greater than yourself. Yeah, it's um, religion literally ties people together. That's the meaning of the word. Uh, like ligament, it's yeah. cognate with. And that's that's really con- interesting to think about, again, in the context of Mercury being free to go wherever he wants versus the Hierophant trying to, you know, coagulate and coerce everything into one place. Yep, and to have it all. And to, to have, have it, it all. <laughs> <laughs> to have it. To have and to hold. Yeah. Right. Okay, so um, Deccan images and significations. In the Picatrix, we've got a woman with curly hair who has one son wearing clothing looking like flame, and she is wearing garments of the same sort. I don't even get that. Yeah, that's interesting. But the signification except, makes except sense. Except when mm-hmm. you think of clothing looking like flame, it almost, when you see some depictions of people wearing rags, they're ah. like these flame-like strips. You know, when you ever see drawings, yeah. and that's what it kind of looks yeah. like. So, I mean, that's pretty loose, but kind of like it though yeah (laughs) Yeah. so the signification is plowing working on the land sciences geometry sewing and building so i can totally get that part that seems completely torian but i'm just not sure how they're getting it from the image yeah yeah unless it is uh something to do with the sort of fire of well you know the color of taurus is red orange yes that's that's a very flamey color even though it's not a fire sign because there is something about the earth has a relationship to fire, like the fire of the sun and the molten core of the earth, the, you know, that. Mm-hmm. And the energy of life that it takes to plow the soil. Yeah. There could be so something like, in there. You know, again, we're reaching, but <laughs> that's, that's what, what we, we do. do. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <Yeah. laughs> and then the one from Agrippa is a naked man, an archer, Harvester or husbandman. That makes total That's sense. That's total, totally makes yep. sense. Plow, build people, 
build people. I don't know what I got there. Uh, and divide the earth according to the rules of geometry. Well, I think there's a comma there. Build people. Oh, I as see. in procreate. Okay. To, pe- to people the earth. <laughs> I, I think that's what it's trying to say. Okay. That's fair enough. Uh, so plow, build people and divide the earth. Ah, uh, yes, to people. I yes. see, to people. Right. So, yeah, and these are interesting because we're going to see agricultural metaphors throughout these decans, but this one is really about breaking the soil and starting. When you look at the constellation, Taurus, it's half a bull. It's not a whole bull. Yeah. It's the front half of the bull. <laughs> So before we before we get into any jokes about that, it's the, it's the front half of the bull. And the interesting thing about that is that it shares a star, or it used to share a star at one time with the constellation of the charioteer, Auriga. Ah. Um, it shares a one of the horns, the northern horn, the, the star at the tip of it is called El Nath, the butting one. Um <laughs> But it was formerly shared with Auriga the charioteer. And in my mind, when I think of the front half of a bull connected to a chariot, it is like the image yeah. of someone plowing a charioteer. And yeah. You know? So it that's, is a lot that's like kind of that. cool. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, and that star El Nath, just mentioning mm-hmm. it here because of the Mars factor, is also associated with weapons. Really? And we talked about Gavora and having all its symbols basically being weapons. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, there's definitely some kind of swords into plowshares. You know, kind and, of and a bull's, the tip of a bull's horn can definitely be yeah. a weapon in, in the bull's hands or head, as the case may be. Yeah, to think about sort of Mars energy in this card and the nature of the bull, we definitely have the bull in a china shop effect here the uh something's gonna break there's a couple of other interesting things about that el nath makes me think of so the the phoenician god which was a bull god was called el which means both bull and god so i thought that was kind of interesting in terms of the hierophant you know yeah god (laughs) right and the minoans also had the bull as sort of their central you know ruling animal both in Egyptian and Phoenician times, there was the sacrifice of the bull. And I forget which one of them, but you'd wash yourself in the blood of the bull. And this, like, the sacrifice would purify you of sins. Charming. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, there's something about the violence about it. You know, I mean, it's like... That makes sense in terms of the rituals associated with the church as well. The hierophant drinking the blood of the yeah, savior, the, and the you know? idea of sacrifice gods, the crucified gods. And yeah, and how the they idea were taking on the sins of people, right? How you communicate with the spirit world and with the divine are questions that come up not only in this card but all cards of Taurus. And the hierophant himself is the guy who stands in the doorway between the two. He is a liminal figure. And when the bull breaks the soil, that is an opening of a doorway too for life. So there's something about those two that are equivalent to me. Yep. He's also the figure that in the Eleusinian mystery cults passed out the entheogens. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely that sort of altered consciousness, that sort of how are you going to break past your material boundaries and limits take this pill (laughs) type thing is oh that's really interesting either take this pill or drink this wine you know or uh whatever it is that you need to do you know or mortify the body in some cases you know whatever you have to do to get past the four elements of matter oh and i forgot to mention when we were talking about the taurus as a constellation in this constellation and Probably we'll talk a little bit more about some of this stuff in the next two cards, but just to mention it because they actually fall here in this decan are the uh, Pleiades star cluster, the Hyades or Hyades Mm. star cluster, and the exaltation of the moon is actually in this decan rather than the next one. That's right. So um, the Pleiades is around five degrees, the the Hyades or Hyades is seven degrees, and uh, the exaltation of the moon is three degrees. Correct. And you know what's really cool about the Hyades? I, I think it's cool. I think it's just funny. It's a it's a star cluster on the head of the bull, and it's shaped like a V, which makes me think of, you know, the <laughs> yeah. five for the Hierophant. Yeah, exactly. 
So I wasn't able to come up with too much in terms of the cardamancy stuff. Five of Diamonds is like all of the cards have something to do with agriculture in, in sort of the Deccan significations. In all the cardamantic significations, they all have to do with kind of money in one way or another. But Etea has some weird ones. Yeah, yeah, there were some that just like were very, you know, hard to reconcile with each other. Yes, and Wade even picks up on that when he's looking at it. You know, there's this whole thing about husbands and wives, spouses, love, cherish, adore. Yeah, that's strange. Well, yeah, and I and it's, he Wade even says these alternatives cannot be harmonized. That and the sort of material trouble significations. You could draw a connection in that. The love that people bear one another is separate from and above and beyond, you know, the hierarchy of needs, the normal sort of material world considerations. But, you know, it's just, there's something about these five cards that is a bit weird. Like the um, five of cups as well has that marriage signification thing going on with it, as well as loss. So, you know, maybe the issue is sort of like, this is something I was talking about, in one of those recent podcast interviews, the idea that the the card raises the issue. So issues of connection come up in here, whether it's because they're broken when the more sort of normal conventional interpretation of the card we use, or because they're of concern and, you know, something people are hoping for. So mm-hmm. that would maybe be the marriage yeah. thing. Still, it's, it's a li- it feels a little weird. anyway five of diamonds five of diamonds is associated with fluctuations in finance which pretty much exactly what we expect Mm -hmm. i have one more thing i don't know where to put it but i i did look up the angels and demons of the sephira givura the archangel associated with givura is kamael who is supposed to be the one of the angels who led the armies that expelled the uh, expelled Adam and Eve from Eden, which kind of makes sense with this. Took a whole army, huh? <laughs> no, I don't want to leave. Would you <laughs> want to leave? with my fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That association of sort of doing the work of separation kind of makes sense for that, Sephira. Uh, also an archangel of strength and courage. Um, and the archdemon associated with Givora is the famous Asmodeus. Mm. So Asmodeus was the one who had like all these sort of many transactions with King Solomon, got tricked into building the temple, tricked him back. You know, the two of them like had a thing. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he is supposed to be... Frenemies. Frenemies, for sure. For sure. It's like, oh, him again. (laughs) He was supposed to be the personification of lust, which kind of goes with that... Martial thing of desire, yeah. Right, right. Intemperate desires, specifically. Mm -hmm. um, Which is... Kind of makes sense that he's the one you would want to build your temple because you know he's gonna get the job done. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, you'll get very Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of cool. Okay, so you want to go card by card? Yeah. All right. Okay, so let's have a look at the Rider Waite Smith card. We have here this very very sad picture of the lighted stained glass window of probably a church or something, and two people who are not doing well at all limping past it. Yeah, and looking pretty barefoot in the snow there. Yeah, not adequately dressed. These people are not, you know, rolling around in Patagonia outerwear. (laughs) (laughs) They ain't got no Gore-Tex. Yeah. Yeah. You see the hem of her dress? It almost looks like uh, flame clothing, Mm -hmm. doesn't it? Just like you were saying, yeah. You know, it's funny. I was, uh, well, it's not funny. It's pretty sad. I was doing readings yesterday, and one of the women... I read for got this card uh, in Rider Wade Smith, and she said, "That's how I feel." She pointed to that person. She had lost her husband in September oh. after 22 years, and she pointed to that woman and she said, "That's exactly how I feel." It wasn't the shock of loss like you see in Five of Cups. It was more like I am alone in the world, and I have to do this by myself. That kind of feeling, mm. and I think that that's really disconnected. Yeah. yeah. Then the window. We see, I guess, you know, to me, I always interpret that as the top five Sephira of the Tree of Life Mm -hmm. because of their configuration. And you know what's really interesting in Rider-Waite-Smith is that 
In the entire so one through five, one yeah. through five exactly. In the entire suit, we never see an averse pentagram. You know, we only see a verse pentagram in the devil card, mm. which is weird. Uh, you would think that if it was going to show up anywhere, it would be here, sort of like in the Thoth card. But anyway, so if you are traveling down the tree of life and you stop at Givora, which is what's happening here, then everything you see that is your experience, one of separation, one of harshness, mm-hmm. you know, one severity. of severity. Yeah. I've never seen anyone sort of officially comment on it, but what do you think about the sort of two lines to left and right of the window? This sort of forms a structure there. Like, uh, you know, just faintly. Oh, here. Oh, stone. yeah. Yeah. Hmm, I hadn't even really noticed that. You know, it's pretty faint, but sometimes people point it out. And I, I don't know what it is meant to indicate but she did it on purpose. And it seems like there's almost like a pull chain on the left. Oh, See yeah. <laughs> Flush the toilet. Yeah, that's right. It looks like one of those old-fashioned uh, toilet flushers. <laughs> Why it's there, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. But I've always assumed that we're meant to assume that this, that this is a church structure. Yeah. Which makes sense. You know, it could be the very structure that is indicated in the Hierophant, right? You know, he could be inside the church and they could be outside it. And, and then there's the uh, the buildings at the top. Aren't those buildings? They look like buildings. Down, I, I never thought about it that way, but you could be right. Maybe they're not, but that's what it looks like. Don't they look oh, like they yeah. have doors and windows? Yeah, they do. So so what Mel's talking about is the um, right to either side of the Roman numeral five at the very top, there's sort of some gray structures that look like they have, that look like representations of buildings with little windows in them. Yeah, they don't look like they could be anything else, actually. Yeah, and if you think about the progression from the four of discs, it's sort of like, okay, I have succeeded in locking everything away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the fortress. <laughs> right. And it's all in here. And now I'm keeping you out. And then if you look, you know, look ahead to the six, this guy with the scales and the money, these could be the same two beggars who are walking past the church. Yeah, They're kind be. of clothed the same, actually. Could, could be. You There's know. definitely a parallel there. Right, right. And it's almost like, you know, we talked a little bit in the four about hoarding, right? Mm-hmm. And in society, one of the consequences of some people hoarding everything is that other people have less. This is like and an go economic... With, go without, you know? Um, that's why hoarding's bad. <laughs> right, right. This is literally the card of economic inequality. Yeah. If you look at it, you know, yeah. all the resources are in. It took a big yeah, chunk of change the, to build church. that church. Yeah, build those stained glass windows. And meanwhile, yeah. these people are out in the cold and... Uh, and probably hungry. When you think about what it took to build the stained glass, you know, to create works of stained glass involves fire and, you know, and effort. I don't know. It's sort of like a, I'm trying to get as a sort of like uh, stained glasses, hot and dry mm-hmm. combinations of fire and earth versus cold and dry. Yeah. You know. To make glass, you have to melt sand, which takes a lot of heat. Which takes a lot of heat. And the problem of these people is that they're freezing their asses to mm. death. The question is always, what is the relationship of the people to the church? Have they been locked out? Do they know it's there? Are they not looking and could they get the help they need there? Mm. You know, or have they just left? You know, have they been excommunicated? Mm. Have they self, you know, deported? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What is going on with them? Wait refers to those two people as mendicants. Yes. Which, you know, there's two meanings of that word. One is just a beggar, which they clearly look like beggars, but the other one is in a religious context, you know, that Mm -hmm. people that have purposely renounced material goods are They've taken a vow of poverty. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And also the fact that the one on the left not only is lame, but has a bell. Um, Mm, Yeah. So the bell, you know, suggests that it's the leper's bell. Yeah. Yeah. So um, to warn others of their coming so that they can stay away, which is a horrible thought. But again, exile, (laughs) more exile, you know, more isolation. The other thing that sort of came to me from doing this reading for this woman yesterday was that 
not only did she feel like she was isolated and that nobody could understand her situation and because of the loss of her husband, but she also felt like she was almost like overcrowded because a lot of people had come to support her. You know, she had family all around. So, you know, this sort of like the experience can be alone in the midst of a crowd kind of a thing. Yeah. And what she needed more than anything, which we ended up talking about quite a bit, was a private space for ritual to communicate with the spirit of her husband to sort of figure out what her own relationship and belief system about what comes after life was Mm. so that she could do that transitional work. To reconnect. Yeah, to reconnect to what life really meant for her. Mm. Which is really interesting in terms of, you know, what we were talking about with the pontifex and the psychopomp. (laughs) The pontifex and the psychopomp, exactly. And, you know, what's interesting is I think about that Hierophant card, you know, setting himself as the mediator between the flock and God, but that the magician card sort of makes me think that in a way you have to figure out that relationship for yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. no one can do it for you. Yeah. You know, that sort of idea that as above, so below, you have to figure out what your own relationship with spirit is. Yeah. Yeah. You can't let somebody do it for you because eventually you're really still on your own. They can be the bridge, but you have to cross it. Right. Right. Exactly. I like that. I guess I'm struggling with it because I think it's important. You know, the idea that this card isn't just about the divorce with the material world and the comforts therein. It's also about the striving for a spiritual connection Mm -hmm. and for the meaning beyond the material. More of these themes of four and five, you know, you have two people walking, trying to walk on four legs, it's not working. So you end up having to support yourself on a crutch. That's interesting, because between the two of them, they have like five, five on legs. The ground. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. In a, exactly. In a sense. Yeah, yeah, five <clears throat> points on the ground. Yep. Yeah, this is the only card in the deck where it's snowing. Also, it's just worth mentioning. So I actually will see it manifest as a, you know, snow card. Mm -hmm. All right. Shall we move on to the Thoth card? Sure. Okay. Oh, boy. So here's our averse pentagram. Yeah. So the pentagram, I mean, whether it's averse or or not, it's always about matter and spirit. Totally appropriate to this card. But in this case, the emphasis is that, you know, matter is above spirit and Mm -hmm. kind of ruling the show. I think Duquette says something about those discs as being what appear as five discs in the center of the card are actually only the hubs of these massive wheels. Wheels. Yeah. They almost look like, well, when I look at this card, I see three different things they could be. Mm. They look kind of like wheels and they look kind of like gears, like all meshed together in a cluster, kind of grinding together. But they also look like turntable re- records that go on a on a turntable. <laughs> LPs. <laughs> and uh, they also look like millstones. Yeah. Which is kind of appropriate for this card. You ever hear that saying, the mills of God grind slowly, yet they grind exceedingly small? No, I haven't heard that. That's uh, a great expression, a, though. It's a Longfellow poem, but it's a, the concept goes back into like Greek philosophy times Mm -hmm. it's about divine retribution the mills of god are gonna grind no matter what even Mm -hmm. if they take a long long time and so that idea of like mills grinding and and the divine and you know just the idea of mills association with grain and stuff with taurus i kind of like popped into my head that wow that's a really uh, appropriate they're gray and they look like millstones to me you know yeah and there's even quite a bit of reference i think in crowley to the grinding action yeah so that Mm -hmm. that quote then continues something like with patience he stands waiting with exactness grinds them all (laughs) so it's like and i think that he is god in this case so that makes sense because the act of making grain or flour is you know, it's slow, it's patient work, and it's actually pretty far from the end product. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was necessary, you know, to have your grain and mill it and so that you could eat. It's a cooperative activity. It's not something that anybody yeah, does just for themselves. Yeah, you had to themselves. bring it to the mill. You you didn't have your own, you know. You, right. Everybody 
brought it to the miller. <laughs> right. Paid Ra- to have it ground. Making, um, growing grain in general is a mark of a particular stage of civilization because, you know, if you're just hunting and foraging, right. then you can kind of move around. Move around. You don't have large communities forming around uh, hunting and gathering, but you do around grain. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense to me that it's the binding of communities together there's the nail again, yep. but also in the face of likely hardship, right? So yeah. you do cooperative planning in yep. the face of hardship. And I suppose since back in the day, they probably taxed your the outputs of the mill. There's that uh, <laughs> financial worry. <laughs> What's How much is my grain is the tax man going to take? We should talk about the tatvas, I guess. Yeah. So the geometric figures on each of these disks are significant. Yep, the four uh, elements and the fifth s- element with the black egg of spirit being at the bottom. So again, matter over spirit um, and the black egg. Uh, representing spirit. I don't know. What can we say about the tattvas? They were used by the Golden Dawn for magical meditation. Uh, each one of them, you know, it has a specific color on a specific background, although that's not shown here. I mean, color-wise, if you just look at the card, these big black discs are, what's behind them is this kind of like yellowy orange color. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they're blocking out the light they're two opposite colors, the lightest color and the darkest color, pretty much. It's like the the blackness of the discs are, are blocking things out. And the colors of the tatvas that are on there, I think in Snuffin's book, he comments that there's no fire in this card, even though the, the fire triangle is colored like a pinkish violet instead of being red. Yeah. And that's supposedly indicative of the lack of fire and that fire is what's needed to break the inertia of these kind of stuck gears. Mm, yeah. The fire of Mars, I guess. The you fire know? of Mars, I guess. <laughs> I think, isn't it, uh, Crowley says something about the tattvas holding together the organism. So mm. we have the, the shaking force of the earth held together under tension because the, the five tattvas represent a complete cosmology. Mm-hmm. So everything belongs here, but it's under immense strain. An organism which would otherwise disrupt completely. The background is an angry, ugly red with yellow markings, and the general effect is of intense strain, yet the symbol implies long-continued inaction. Inaction, that's that's a weird way of approaching the Right, like action card. is what is needed, but there's some inertia, and there's a strain because of the inertia, the attention. Yeah, trying to create motion out of too much matter. <laughs> yeah, the millstones are heavy. Yeah, there's actually two concepts of motion here. I mean, you know, we talk about fives as the idea of motion being brought to bear on the idea of matter. And there's the motion of the shaking of the earth, but there's also the motion, you know, of mercury trying to adjust to it. Adjust. Yeah. yeah. So there's kind of two things going on there. It's very effective, though, as yeah. a design. Yeah, it makes you feel oppressed. You know, it sort of picks up on those same colors as the Ten of Wands, actually. Yeah, there's definitely a sense of nervous strain when I look at it. I can feel that. What do you think about the shape right in the center of the pentagram? Sort of a diamond shape? Yeah, I don't know. It's almost like a Venn diagram. Yeah, (laughs) it looks like where they intersect, Mm. right? Like a passageway through. Even the black egg kind of looks like a keyhole you could pass through, you know. Yeah. But into darkness instead of the other ones into light. And these these discs, the way they're, the shape of them, you know what else they look like to me? They look like so many things. But another thing that just popped into my head, you know those rotary cutters? The yeah. blades? It yeah. looks like a blade for a rotary cutter, which <laughs> it I guess does. is very martial. Yeah, there's a, you know, some pretty remarkable symmetry in this, despite the sort of general air of oppression and... Um, and anxiety about it. Mm. What do you think about the sort of communicator badge over Mercury? <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't. I don't know. You know, beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe guess- it's the red shirt. <laughs> you know about the red shirt, I right? Know about okay. the red shirt. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Mars, well, I guess it's. Yeah. I guess it's sort of like you know. There's a lot of little shapes like that all over the card, and it's just mm. you know an indication of the broken energy. Hour oh, of Mars. Hour it of almost Mars. does look like an arrowhead or uh, something weapon-like. This one here almost looks like a dart. 
Oh, yeah. So there's one on the lower left. Uh, yeah, sort of to the left of the cosmic egg. Yeah, that does look a bit like a dart. I always think that bottom tatva, the one with the cosmic egg, looks a little like an eye. Mm. Eye yeah, of the bull. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing about those tatvas, and I don't remember if I mentioned it in an earlier episode or not, was that people would meditate on them in flashing colors, mm-hmm. you know, to achieve uh, whatever state of enlightenment that they were after. But it was said that Mathers, McGregor Mathers, was such a, a remarkable magician that he could project them in front of him in a way that everyone oh, could read see. read that. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't it? I'd like to see that. Yeah, for sure. That really makes you wonder all of these claims of to, you know, evocation to external manifestation. It really makes you wonder if these seeing is believing accounts had something to them. Would have liked to be there. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows if they ingested something first. <laughs> yeah, because I've also seen stories about him turning himself into a cat and things. I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so shall we talk about your card? Sure. So I love this card. Begin? So in the Magus card in this deck, you know, we've got the DJ with his turntable. Mm-hmm. And here we have the that same turntable, but he's kind of disappeared and it's been all locked up and padlocked for the night. And it's actually smoking um, as if it's <laughs> malfunctioned in some way inside. You see that um, smoke rising from Electrical the, fire. the control panel. That's not good. And um, that was the perfect placement for the color of the card, which was which is red flecked black. Yeah, so you've got that's that absolutely perfect. Red background and um, those black flecks of charred bits flying out of the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> so so the implication here is that he's gone, he's separated himself. Yeah. Not that he's been, you know, a yeah, smoking pile no, of ash. <laughs> no, he's been locked out. <laughs> he's been locked out. Yeah. Okay. We've got those columns in the back from the Hierophant card. And instead of the four Karubic beasts, they're all bull. <laughs> all five of them. I love that. Yeah. Um with a giant ring in the middle one yeah yeah in his nose and that's actually a padlock that um that one in the center so we've got the chains uh locking everything up and chains are one of the weapons of gavora uh chains are something that bind and and locks they're symbols of both money and of suppression so Mm -hmm. you know locks are usually used to lock up something valuable locks in symbolism are usually like in in dreams are a sign that you fear that you can't get something that you desire mm-hmm. so plus made of iron which of course is the is mars yeah mm-hmm. yep is that that's a that's a big nail driven through those five yeah uh, discs isn't it yeah that's so there's cool. there's five discs on the turntable um with a big nail for uh <laughs> the hierophant going through them and the bottom one is breaking or broken and it's kind of like the idea of the broken record of the mind you know yeah the idea of worry how these thoughts just keep going through your mind and you, you kind of obsess over them and you can't stop them or you that's good yeah try to stop them and then we've got the um from the hierophant card also we have the elephants as a symbol of taurus and there's five of them and one of them is holding a key down, and that's the key that will unlock that big padlock up there. I kind of looked at, at it as like it's a little joke in a way, you know, because so the key's the hierophant, and the elephant's the hierophant, and this this little tiny elephant is like <laughs> got his foot on, and it, it, like it's a figment of your imagination, like it's, you know, <laughs> seeing pink elephants or whatever. You're, you're not quite seeing clearly I really how like things that, are. <laughs> I really like that, though, um, the idea... You know, of the key being right there that you need to unlock this right. problem is is the idea that With the this elephant big is heavy elephant on it, but yeah. he's actually a little tiny, <laughs> maybe possibly imaginary elephant. So your worry may be much greater than, than you. Yeah, the, the worst things warrants. in life uh, never happened to me, as Mark Twain says. You know, <laughs> and then you notice if you compare this card to the Magus card. The wand and the disc are here, but the sword and the cup are missing from the structure of the turntable. And it's the idea that the mind 
and the emotional content aren't being appropriately handled. And then the only other difference in the turntable is right at the very bottom of the card, there's a a vav, Mm -hmm. there's a bet for the magus and the hierophant, and then there's a a mercury symbol. No, actually, it's an Averse, pentag- averse pentagram. Averse pentagram. Yeah. So it just brings in those I- that idea again of you know matter over spirit and the connection between the the house and the nail. Oh, he's in for a disappointment when he gets back that mercury. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to my rig? <laughs> now I'm worried. <laughs> in my other deck, the Rosetta. I love, love, love that five of oh, pentacles. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's, so that one, if you haven't seen it has like this like steampunk machine and it's got all these gauges on it so it's got a it's got a gas gauge that's almost empty it's got a odometer that's about to flip over it's got a tachometer that's pegged into the red and it's you know it's got smoke coming out of a vent and it's like every every system is about to fail totally or so fun. or so yeah. you think right it's so great and you know what's really funny is that i thought of that the other day because i got this card for the like umpteenth time this year and I got in my car and my son had left it on empty (laughs) and I was like you know what I know what this is I recognize this from Mel's card but the important thing about that card that just like here the key is being held down by that little elephant in the uh, Rosetta card there's a switch on that steampunk machine and it's it's currently switched to on but you know what that implies is that Mm. there's also an off button Right. So some of these states, you know, what I'm trying to say is some of these mental states are within your control. Yeah. That if you see them for what they are, you can shut them off. Yeah, there's definitely a something about the way you're approaching the problems of matter being the wrong approach. Yeah. So using your mercury in the wrong way. Um, yeah, I think we see that in both the five and the seven, that there's something inappropriate about the way you're doing something. And with the adverse pentagram, that suggests that you're using the skills of Mercury, you're applying it to just the stuff, you know, rather than the purpose or the, you yeah, know, connection the beyond purpose. it. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And if you do that, if you look for the divine in the material, rather than assuming the material is the whole point, then that might be a key to getting out of this card or to solving it. I yeah. Guess. Those elephants are so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like elephants. elephants. <laughs> That's so funny. I yeah. had a thing for elephants. Yeah. Yeah. My dad had a thing for elephants and he, they used to have um, at his office, he had um, somebody had photocopied this big circus elephant from an old vintage thing. And that elephant's name was Chang for some reason. So it said Chang underneath and it had this big elephant. And I they think I've seen that. It. Have you? Yeah. I think I need that. <laughs> yeah, think, that sounds find it. very familiar. Yeah. <laughs> My first stuffed animal was an elephant. Oh. Yep. Okay, so is this a card you see much? Oh, sure, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird. I don't see it, like, a ton, because honestly, I mean, this is going to sound funny, but I'm not really a person that worries that much about material things, even though I don't have a ton of money. I think the key to money is not worrying about it. So Mm. I'm very good at not worrying about it, (laughs) I guess. But I do get this card occasionally, yeah. This year, I've gotten it more than any other card by like a factor of two, at least. And it's not always about money troubles uh, or worrying about money, although I do a ton of that, you know, with two kids and heading towards college. And, you know, I'm constantly trying to figure things out. But I've seen a lot of other manifestations, which are kind of interesting. For example, like, I get it a lot for car problems. I which, could see that. Yeah. You know, five of discs is gears like, grinding, gears yeah. grinding, and like just the thing on wheels needing attention. Mm-hmm. You know, I also get it for being sick or having a problem. So last year I got it in the morning, and I remember I was walking with my friend. We were going to go have sushi. I was really excited. I was talking to her in a really animated fashion, and I, <laughs> I tripped over this like. It was like a raised structure in the curb. It was like a a foot and a half high. I mean, like if I'd been looking, there's no way. And I literally just walked into this thing and went flying and got this huge scrape on my leg. 
you know, I had drawn Rider Waite that morning and I looked at that guy. I was like, oh, <laughs> you and your leg, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah and I was literally walked into the restaurant with blood, you know, running down my leg. It was I could crazy. also see this card having something to do with flat tires being the, the fifth wheel, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And needing a spare or something yeah, like right. that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have had it for, as I said, for snow. I get that a lot of the time. I had a really, I just have a really weird relationship with this card. I remember one time in 2000, probably six, I was at the end of a fellowship I'd been on doing sustainability work in food, and I got to travel a lot of different places. We went to Hawaii for our final trip. Nice. And I had my cards with me. It was like right on the Pacific. It was, I mean, obviously on the Pacific, but you know, it was like in a surfer sort of beach area. And I had the windows open and I had my cards on my bed and I walked off to a meeting. Oh. My five of pentacles card just flew out the window while I was gone and I never saw it again. Weird. <laughs> and he's like, okay, this is the card of separation, <laughs> you know, from the deck. That was just really interesting because I knew it had some kind of message for me, but I didn't know what it was. As it turned out, just after that, I became pregnant with my daughter, you know, or I was pregnant and I didn't realize it. So there was that that sort of something very big is going to happen to you, but you don't know exactly what it is Mm. kind of a thing. There's that. And then um, the other thing is that that I remember is that a friend of mine, uh, Ted Myatt, did a reading for me about my uh, very first podcast, the one before this one called The Level Teaspoon he kind of did a sort of prognostication podcast for me. And the middle of it was the five (laughs) of discs. And I was like, well, that's terrible. And he made a really nice show of it for me. And, you know, it was the guy in tarot. So it has someone sort of who's burrowing down for winter in a hole and stuff. And it's like, well, you're safe, etc. But if I'd thought about it at the time, I would have realized that that podcast would not make any money, (laughs) you know, and that it was an act of love, you know, so in that sense, it was also of the nature of this card. It was something of me trying to do something to break out of the sort of normal mold. And it was what made it possible for me to do this podcast because I learned the skills. And it was all about food, which is very touristy. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. In the end, I, I feel okay about it. But um, but still, it was very stubborn and Torian of me to continue it as long as I did. Oh, there was a really great manifestation where I was listening to a podcast about a prisoner whose name was Five. (laughs) Literally, that was their name. And the podcast was about their desire to leave prison and start a church. (laughs) Oh, wow. So it's like ding, 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 ding. Wow, that's pretty... (laughs) Pretty Pretty right on. Spot on there. (laughs) But one thing I've noticed about it is that sometimes when I get this card, I'll go for a walk and try to like just feel the spirit of the land, you know, Mm -hmm. because this is a card of spirit and it is a card of the land. And sometimes I just feel like it's just beyond my reach, but that I can sense something happening that's alive and if I weren't so (laughs) left-brained you know I could really communicate I think this card also has something to do with being in the body you know because you have the tendency to live up here in the head and that's not healthy yeah you know and to bring it back down to earth you know (laughs) it seems to me to have something to do with you know the concept in Judaism that God permeates everything you know down to the last cell um, and that it's a mistake if you're looking at matter and saying this is what you see is what you get. Yeah. So this is like maybe a way to deal with this. And the problems of matter is to recognize the divine within everything. I really love this card. I just I'm having to love it a lot more this year <laughs> than previously. <laughs> um, oh, God, we have to summarize. Yeah. <laughs> okay. To summarize, we have talked at great length about the Lord of Worry and or material trouble. We've talked a great deal about the story of Taurus as the bridge between the worlds. Um, in that story of the return to divine where Capricorn was the material world and and Virgo will be the legacy of the material world. This one is the quest to find the relationship with spirit, uh, the cards of Taurus. And we talked about the need for tourists to try and regulate the stability, the fixed earth nature of our 
earthly existence between the difficulties of worry and failure. (laughs) Yeah, we've talked about the uh, bull's effort and endurance coming into play to kind of keep going through the strain of inertia. The bull as a symbol of agriculture generally, um, fertility. The front half. The front half. (laughs) (laughs) The back half we'll talk about next time. Uh, the difference between bulls and oxen. We talked about uh, the destruction of the fortress of the four. The magician or magus and the hierophant as psychopomp and pontifex. Love that. Mm. Taurus's motto of I have. To have and to hold and to belong. And haves and have nots. <laughs> For sure. We talked about economic inequality in this card. We talked about the mills of God grinding slowly. And uh, Mercury's difficulties in this particular card, as opposed to his swifty, speedy, knowledgeable expressions in the other Mercury cards. We talked about the tatvas and the um, black egg of spirit. Uh, we talked about Earth Day and the concern for the environment and the um, the uh, the holiday of worry. <laughs> we talked about El Nath, the star in the northernmost horn of the bull and its association with both the charioteer and with weapons. We talked about swords into plowshares and nails. Lots and lots about nails. <laughs> the vav of the hierophant. The nails in the house. <laughs> <laughs> the nails in the house, yes. You need nails to hold the house together. <laughs> yeah. We talked about padlocks and blockages, suppressions and fears. Fear as in uh, Phobos and Deimos. The moons of Mars. Uh, fear as in Pachat. Uh, and Dean meaning justice, Givora in Asiya. Uh, we talked about intelligence required to resolve material problems. So anticipation, planning, foresight, insurance. Yeah. Intelligence and endurance. Mercury and the bull. We talked about the relationship of the patriarchs and Isaac as an expression of Givora in his myth of separation from his father. The second day in which God separates the waters above and below. Oh, and we talked about the uh, the angel Kamael involved in the expulsion from Eden and <laughs> the demon Asmodeus, the constructor of the temple. And we talked about the idea of mendicants and the difference between mere beggars and religious renunciates. The church as something that binds someone together in terms of the you know basic definition of religion, but also in this card as something that can shut people out. The pull chain of the exile. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> oh, and we talked about the idea, the uh, etymological definition of worry. Oh, right, yeah. Its association with the throat. I think Crowley also mentioned the word sphinx had a similar um, root meaning to throttle or to squeeze. Sphincter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> squeeze that sphincter, man. <laughs> That's the back end of the bowl. <laughs> oh, God. We're not allowed to be this punchy. We got two more to go. <laughs> Uh, all the expressions of the other fives and bull in a china shop effect of Mars. It's funny, um, we talked about the destruction of the fortress, as we mentioned, but it reminds me of a pun, the disturbance in the fours. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) The grinding wheels, uh, creating grinding grain down. Broken records. Elephants with their feet on keys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that we've pretty much got it. I think I wrote something on my notes here about the idea of um, five as representing the freedom from the cycle of matter. And I think that's a way to look at this as a card of imprisonment and freedom, raising Mm. those issues, what those really mean. Okay, well, thank you for locking yourself in with us for this deep dive into the Lord of Worry or Material Trouble. And we will be back next time with a much more easy and sexy six (laughs) of discicles. See you then.